Thank you, Rick Scarborough, for all you're doing for our country. I'm often asked, why do you as a Christian, especially a Christian pastor, get involved in politics? The question itself is absurd when you look at our nation's history. Remember, it was Christians who were involved in politics that resulted in seismic and needed changes in our country, whether it was the pastors known as the Black-Robed Regiment who led the way in the American Revolution, or Christians who led the abolitionist movement to rid our nation of slavery, or Christian pastors like Martin Luther King Jr. who led the Civil Rights Movement. Thank God these Christian men and women of yesteryear did not subscribe to this false dichotomy between faith and politics. Instead, they allowed their politics to be an expression of their faith. Why should Christians get involved in politics? Because Jesus told us to. In fact, and I know this is going to surprise some of you to hear me say this, but the fact is you can't be a faithful, obedient disciple of Jesus Christ without getting involved in politics. Well, pastor, where do you find that in scripture? I'm so glad you asked. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus gave us two images to describe our mission here on earth. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? And then in verse 14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, most of us as Christians understand the concept and imagery of light. As Christians, our job is to illuminate the way to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. As Christians, our primary mission is not to save America, but to save Americans from God's judgment by illuminating the path that leads to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. This is the church's primary mission, to lead people to faith in Christ. But it's not the only task Jesus said we're to perform here on earth. What does Jesus mean when he says we are to be salt? Remember in Jesus' day, before the days of refrigeration, salt was a preservative for meat. Salt did not prevent the decay of the meat, but it would eventually rot and it would have to be thrown out. But salt instead delayed the decay of the meat. That is, it gave meat a longer shelf life. And in the same way, Jesus said, one reason I'm leaving you in this world is to be a preservative to slow down the decay of our culture and our country so that we have longer to share the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps this word picture would help you understand how the two work together. Think of a large dam above a small village, a dam that is about to crumble and unleash millions of gallons of water, drowning the people below. Concerned residents line up to push back against the dam, while at the same time yelling to the villagers below to find a place of safety. That's what we've been called to do as Christians, to push back against the tide of evil that is threatening to engulf our world, while we also point people to the place of safety, Jesus Christ. Well, here's the question. How do we push back against evil in our nation today, 
How do we delay the decay of our country? Well, in a word, it's through politics. Now, I know the word politics is a four-letter word for many Christians and denominations. And yet the word politics comes from a root word that means to influence. To say that Christians shouldn't be involved in politics is saying that Christians shouldn't try to influence the culture in which they live. Can any Christian really say that with a straight face? Of course, we're to be involved in the world around us. You know, during the Old Testament period of time, it was the king of a nation who determined the spiritual direction of the nation. A righteous king like Josiah would lead the nation in righteousness. An evil king like Ahab led the nation in unrighteousness. But it was the king who determined the spiritual direction of our nation. And you didn't get to vote for the king in those days. Kings were imposed upon you. But in our country today, it's different. As John Jay, our first Supreme Court justice and co-author of the Federalist Papers said, God has given us the privilege in this Christian nation of choosing our leaders. That means when we walk into the voting booth, we are determining the spiritual direction of our nation by the candidates and their platforms that we vote for. We are either voting for righteousness or for unrighteousness. And today, that distinction, that choice has never been any clearer. You know, I am neither a Republican nor a Democrat, so I don't say this from a partisan perspective. But it's very clear to me that the Democrat Party has become a godless party, Not only have they attempted literally to remove the name of God from their party platform in the past, but they're also working to remove God from oaths of office around our country. But even more important, they are promoting policies that are antithetical to the Christian faith. Let me just point out two of those issues to you that I'm sure you're well aware of. First of all, the issue of abortion. In the last four years, we've seen the Democrats move to an extreme position on abortion. They have embraced unrestricted abortion. You know, President Trump, in his final debate with Hillary Clinton, brought this to the forefront for all America to see. When he pressed Hillary Clinton on any restrictions she would place on on abortion, and she couldn't come up with one. The fact is, today, every Democrat candidate who was running for president, and the fact is, the nominee, Joe Biden, all believe and subscribe to unrestricted abortion. They will not name one restriction they would place on abortion in America today. That means they believe in abortion for any reason. If a child is inconvenient, kill it. If you don't like the gender of your child, get rid of it. They believe in abortion for any reason, and they also believe in abortion at any stage in the pregnancy up until the baby is in the birth canal and ready to be born. To most Americans, that is not only wrong, it is barbaric. And all you have to do to see how God views the murder of children is to look in the Bible. 
the reason God sent to the invaders, the Babylonians, to take Israel captive, Jeremiah 1 says, was because of child sacrifice. When God saw his own people following after the pagan god Moloch and offering children as burnt sacrifices, he said, it has not entered my mind that you would do such a detestable thing as this. And ladies and gentlemen, if God would punish his own chosen people, the Israelites, for the sin of child sacrifice, what would he do to a nation like America or any other nation that alters its children on the sacrifice of convenience? God is no respecter of people or nations. Any nation that slaughters its own children is going to suffer the judgment of God. Another important issue in this election cycle is the issue of religious liberty. Just look at de Blasio, Newsom, Cuomo, others who have refused to treat churches fairly during this pandemic. They have placed restrictions on churches that have not been placed on other organizations. Contrast their position to that of President Donald Trump. There has never been a more pro-religious liberty president than Donald Trump. I remember several months ago when he invited into the Oval Office teachers and students in public schools who had had their right to pray infringed upon, and he ordered his Justice Department to go after school districts that infringe upon the First Amendment right to the freedom of worship. Never before have we seen a president do that. You never saw George W. Bush do that. You never saw Ronald Reagan do that. This president has stood for religious liberty. I remember a few years ago when the president signed an executive order on religious liberty. I was there in the Rose Garden, and I sat next to a Muslim imam, and he turned to me and he said, Pastor Jeffress, you and I believe very differently on many issues. But we both agree no president has done more for religious liberty for all people than this president. Yes, elections have consequences. The leaders we choose set the moral and spiritual direction of a nation. And that's why Christians must get involved in politics. The next time somebody, especially a Christian, questions you on whether Christians should get involved in politics, I encourage you to ask them these three questions. Number one, do you think God cares about the rampant immorality and perversion that is engulfing our country right now? Question number two, Do you think God has any opinion about the left's effort to outlaw the mention of his name in the public square, prohibiting Ten Commandment displays, firing coaches who pray at ball games, threatening students who mention God in their graduation speeches with jail? And the final question, from what you know about the God of the Bible, Do you think he has any opinion, any feeling about the 50 million children who have already been murdered in the womb since Roe v. Wade in 1973, or the 700,000 children who continue to be slaughtered every year through abortion? If your answer to those questions is yes, you've just answered the question of why Christians, and especially Christian pastors, should be involved in politics. I close with these words from William Watkins in his book, 
the new absolutes. It is time for Christians to violate the new tolerance and become people marked by intolerance. Not an intolerance that unleashes hate upon people, but an intolerance that is unwilling to allow error to masquerade as truth any longer. An intolerance that is willing to call good, good, and evil, evil. May God give us the courage to do just that.